0: Welcome back to the Gnostic Informant, and you are about to attain true gnosis.
1: Mm-hmm. And after
0: troubleshooting, uh, we finally got Dr. Price's camera up and going. And uh, hey, it's working. We're here. That's all that matters, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Good to see you, Dr. Price. How are you doing today?
1: You too. I'm sorry, I have no notice when it comes to mechanical um, things, but somehow it worked anyway.
0: That's awesome. As long as we're good, as long as we're here, that's all that matters. And uh, let's get into some uh, some Bible study stuff. Mm. And you are known as, known as the, the Bible geek, mm. so it's only right that I got the uh, the best person available for this topic. And um, let's jump right into it. Super oh, okay. chat, questions, all of it's ready to go. If just leave off a comment, but we'll st- I'll just start it off. The whole entire Bible, not just the New Testament, going starting from the Old to the New. What do you think would be, where do you think you could separate the myth from the from the true history? What's really, what really happened? What didn't happen? What's myth? What's not? If you were to sort of, you know, summarize a little bit of it, what do you
1: think? Well, archaeology helps in the Old Testament and uh, what it helps us to see is that by far most of it uh, is, uh, well, some call it history-like narrative. I don't think I'd even go that far. Um, archaeology shows where there is no evidence, where there would have to be evidence. For instance, there's there's not a vestige of the, uh, the Temple of Solomon in Jerusalem. Uh, somebody found once some kind of a knob that, that was on the end of something, and it was shaped like a pomegranate. And they said, well, uh, the Bible says there were little decorative details like this in the temple. So I guess this must be part of Solomon's temple. But then uh, talk about making the exception into the rule. My first question is, where the heck's the rest of it? I mean, uh, what do you think, Uh, God sent down angels with uh, huge vacuum cleaners to get rid of it all? Uh, What what the heck, I mean, that's really just as ludicrous as God or Satan sending uh, angels or demons uh, to uh, plant phony dinosaur bones, left over, I guess, from uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, I I don't know what, it just seems ludicrous uh but then you uh do have a few things in the later portion of the stories in the Book of Kings, for instance, where it talks about the house of omri the dynasty that ruled Israel in the north, and a couple of kings perhaps are named but uh there and I think theres some, some records in, in Babylon indicating that yes, indeed Jews were there at some point. But that's uh, that's not saying much. I mean, I don't think anybody ever denied that there was such a thing as Jewish settlement in uh, in Canaan or Palestine. But uh, that's about it, because the evidence does not, for instance, uh, indicate that there was ever a conquest of Canaan, uh, and uh, if anything uh Jews or Israelites whatever you want to call them uh, gradually filtered into the highlands of uh, Palestine and settled but All the stuff we read about in Joshua and Judges about these great victories over the pagan Canaanites, there's nothing to support that. And again, there'd have to be, or to take a step back, the Exodus. Uh, There there are three possible routes that the Israelites fleeing Egypt might have taken. Uh, but um, archaeology shows not a trace of such a vast movement of people in any one of the three. And again, you know, why not? Uh, did the uh, did the angels clean up like after a ticker tape parade in New York? Uh, it, it's just absurd. There's, there's no bones of, of the uh, huge herds of animals and so on and so forth. And uh, whereas you do, as uh, as uh, Russell Gamirkin points out in his book on Plato and the Old Testament, you do have a tradition of people, uh, of, of uh, settlements creating origin narratives in which a charismatic leader brings the whole bunch of people to their new home and promulgates laws and all this, it's, it's standard fictional uh, mythology. Uh, And uh, it's uh, even when there's a little bit of support for there having been an Israel of some type, uh, it doesn't really give you the idea that there was any Davidic monarchy or any real kingdom to rule for a long time. So uh, plus you know, forget about the uh, the uh, miracles and all that. In the nature of the case, I suppose you you couldn't find evidence of that even if it happened. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it really rules out almost all of it. And of course, once you get to the uh, Hasmonean times, Judah Maccabee, the war of liberation against the Seleucid Empire. Well, yeah, yeah, Josephus tells us about that too, and. Uh, there's a couple of people have dreams and visions, but you, you don't really have the Cecil B. DeMille stuff you do earlier Then with. The, so uh, the if they used to say and in fact, fundamentalists still say, how about biblical archaeology? Everything the Bible says was there has been found. They're just dreaming. That is not the case. Um All right. Albright and others just said. Uh, well, uh, Solomon had uh, stables with uh, horses. Uh, Hey, here's some stables, must be them. Uh, And it was just what I call pin the tail on the Bible. Uh, And it it turns out that, that not only does it not appear to be history, but it does appear to be derivative fiction. For instance, Moses in the, uh, the basket uh, set adrift on the Nile to save his life from persecutors. That appears to be just borrowed lock, stock and barrel from a similar story about the Assyrian Emperor Sargon. Uh, and as critics have known for a long, long time, or as, again, Russell American points out recently, uh, Solomon appears to be just a Jewish copy of Shalmaneser III, uh, an, another Assyrian emperor who had the stables, the navy, the palace, a, and even the same name, right? Because Shalmaneser... Wow. Is is the same as, as Solomon. Solomon is just a linguistic variant on Shalman, a, a Jerusalemite god of the sunset, and uh, so uh, this stuff about Solomon meaning man of peace. No, it would have meant Shalom, man. No, it, it's he's named after the god Shalman, um, uh, and uh, and Salmaneser just means uh, Shalman is my help. Like a Nebuchadnezzar uh, meant a Nebo, another god is my help, or Ebenezer, a hitherto hath the Lord helped us. I mean, it's no mystery, and uh, it just turns out it's fiction. Uh, and, and then you look at
0: you look at Hammurabi's code, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, looks eerily similar to the the the, the laws and the Moses laws in Deuteronomy and the six hundred thirteen commandments. That's Looks like it's ripped straight from Hammurabi's code.
1: Yeah, like scholars see. have uh, pretty much uh, verified that recently by doing a closer study of the two than anybody had done. And again, American who, as far as I'm concerned, is the new Velhausen. This guy's just a genius. Yeah, uh, he uh, also showed that uh, a lot of the laws in the the Old Testament. Come right, or at least exactly parallel laws in Plato's Laws and his Republic, uh, and it, it's just uh, it's just the opposite of what Philo said way back in the first century A.D. or C.E., where he imagined that um, the Pentateuch was earlier uh, and Moses actually wrote it, and uh, that uh, Plato must have read that and allegorized it and that's where he got his whole philosophy it's funny if there is a connection but it's just the opposite right Uh, uh, this is less embarrassing by the way if you're an eastern orthodox christian because they viewed uh, plato socrates and people like this as christians before christ yeah yeah, with even the Logos, right? I mean, they even use some of the same terminology. Well, if that's the case, it doesn't really matter much. Now, with the New Testament, y- you uh, have a similar situation. Uh, it's closer in time, and so things like, did the Romans actually rule Palestine? Well, yeah, of course, there's there's truckloads of evidence for that. Nobody ever doubted it. Uh, but. Uh, but were there synagogues in Galilee? Uh, you can't be sure there there's some buildings that might have been used for that but there's no identifying distinctives and uh, if there weren't uh, and it's it'd be kind of odd if you didn't have any evidence again so it's possible that they were used as synagogues in the ostensible time of Jesus, but it's really flipping a coin. There's no way to know that. And uh, there's so uh, it seems to me that uh, there, what you have to do is to ask yourself, well, this is equally true of the Old Testament narrative, you got to ask yourself, does this read like epic fiction or like a chronicle of history? And uh, of course, it's the latter, not the former. Historians don't pretend to know what a character was thinking and so on. I mean, that's novelistic. Uh, And and, and the miracles and so on. (laughs) Again, you don't have to be some kind of naturalistic skeptic like they always charge critical scholars with being. No, uh, you just say to yourself, if nobody ever sees things such as are reported here happening, why should we believe they ever did? If just some ancient person says so is enough to convince us, well, then let's start believing that uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, there were people that had faces in their abdomen uh, because ancient travelers tell us that. Let's start believing you can change lead into gold because somebody (laughs) said they could. Let's start believing uh, that people. Turned into werewolves because they used to believe that, uh, and so on. Nobody believes that, and, and they're the. What's the difference? I mean, it's it's out. It's strange and bizarre, just like any miracle is. Well, yeah, that's the whole point. It's like my favorite uh, analogy, which you probably got sick of. I'm sure you've heard it 50 times. If you uh, come in from a hard day's work, sit down in front of the TV. You don't know what the last thing that was on was. So you just flip it on. And the first thing you see is a giant reptile smashing its way through Tokyo. Now, do you conclude, oh, I'm watching the news network? uh no no you don't because you've never seen or heard of anything remotely like this happening uh, in the real world but you have seen plenty of cheesy uh monster flicks from from Toho studios and and you would naturally say well i didn't see the title uh, of this i'm, I'm coming in, in the middle but What am I going to think? What's more likely, that this is another uh, Toho Studios movie or that this is news coverage? Uh, Nobody has any trouble uh, with the principle of analogy, right? You weren't there. You don't know for absolute certainty, but it's not hard to render a judgment of probability. And that's the way you're dealing with Jesus in the Gospels. Uh, It's not like he's a modern faith healer who might uh, be lucky enough to deliver somebody from a psychosomatic ailment. Uh, No, Jesus is like Superman, uh, that that they're sick and demon-possessed people all over the place and he has no trouble saving them uh, by the hundreds, come on! Or Peter in the book of Acts, Uh, uh, what's her name, Uh, Dorcas who runs a household for widows. She dies and they're mourning and they say, isn't peter in the neighborhood so they sent a message to him and and peter reads and says, this looks like a job for a super <laughs> apostle and he goes and raises her from the dead as if he's marcus welby making a house call this is not serious stuff and you, uh, you know what's can- funny about that
0: my friend who's a fundamentalist christian who i used to go to church with didn't even know that was in the bible and huh. he I go, I go, what? so at one time I was asking him, this is right. This is as I was making my escape plan pretty much as yeah. I was, was like a month before I de- I left the church. I remember I, I was like, what, what's so special about Jesus compared to like Elijah and Moses. And then he said, Jesus is the only one who can heal the dead. And I, I looked at him, I go, Whoa, what? Have you read the Bible? It's like huh. Peter, Peter and Paul both healed the dead too. He was like, yeah. no, we didn't. And I had to pull it out and show it to him. And he was like, I go, so why isn't Peter the Messiah? And he's like, oh, well, because you use it. And that was the end of it. That was the end of that conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's just no, I mean, people don't get into fundamentalism based on rational argument. Or if they do, they don't stay very long once they realize they've been had. Uh, but uh, it, it's all, almost always emotional Uh, I feel depressed. I have nothing to live for. Oh, Jesus can give you something to live for. Hallelujah. Uh, And you're ready to grab the life preserver. Uh, And therefore, if somebody does challenge your faith with intellectual reasoning, you're not really amenable to it. Uh, You're invulnerable to it because that's not the basis of your faith anyhow. And so it's just a waste of time usually.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Derek, for the Super Chat Myth Vision podcast. Obviously everyone here probably knows about myth vision but for the oh one or two stragglers that don't know myth vision yet go and subscribe right now that's my boy um yeah since we're at since i since we're at the super Chats, so let me bring up the two of that showed up before and we can uh can go from there mummy veil vale, thank you for the super chat mummy veil vale. he said do you think there was a real noah and three sons hey it's a good question
1: uh, i i don't Um, And uh, partly because it's so close to a Greek myth uh, where uh, the Titans gang up on their father uh, to overthrow him by castrating him. And and that removed his royal authority because like the the king is the father of the country and so on. Uh, And uh, they uh, uh, and um, this is so much like instead of uh, Cronus Caius, Iapetus and uh, whatever the fourth one was uh, in the Greek myth, ganging up on Uranos. Uh, it's uh, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and Canaan who gang up on Noah and apparently castrate him. Though the the scribes have uh, kind of castrated the text, uh, and, but he's done something. Somebody did something much worse than seeing Noah sitting there naked. Uh, bombed. Uh, And uh, the the rabbis apparently decided this is just too disgusting, let's leave it tacit. But presumably they castrated him and that's why he curses Canaan, who has now been made his grandson. But if he had nothing to do with the plot, why is he the the only one that's cursed, rather than Shem, Ham, and Japheth? Uh, so and, and the the names uh, Japheth is the name of one of the Titans worshipped by the Philistines, Iapetus, and uh, yeah, uh, Sham is the same as Baal, Shamim, the Lord of Heaven, and so on. I mean, it just comes right out of uh, neighborhood mythology.
0: And another point about that is, that it seems like the the sort of taking the polytheism characters and and miniature gods and turning them into prophets and. For example, there was a god from Canaan named Gad, who was the Mm -hmm. god of fortune and luck. We have a tribe Mm -hmm. of Gad. Also, there's a tribe of Asher. Everyone knows who Asher is. Asher is one of the main gods of the Assyrians.
1: Right. Oh, their country's named after him.
0: Asher, right. So, and I'm not sure about the other 10 tribes, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of those tribes got their names from some sort of deity or something? If that well, thing. my
1: theory is that Zebulun is named for uh, uh, Baal Zebul, who, who becomes a devil in much later thought, because they worship well, the Bull. god Zebul, yeah. who, who wasn't a demon or anything. He, it means the lord of the world. And uh, there are other uh, of the tribes are named for geographical areas, like Ephraim that's not a personal name that it's a plural noun, which means the people that live on Mount Ephrath. uh, and, uh, or anytime you it. had that, anytime you had that, I, I
0: am at the end of it, of a Hebrew word, Im, that's plural. Yeah. Elohim, Elohim means the gods like they're, mm-hmm. that's not a secret. That's just, that's just how you speak Hebrew.
1: Yeah. And, and so you can uh, come up with a bunch of these things and, uh, some of them we uh, we don't uh, really know what they meant but by the uh, the ones we do know it's pretty obvious they were a disparate bunch of tribes that federated together at some point and posited a common ancestor which was the custom among all these little countries and tribes throughout the mediterranean
0: yeah it's fascinating let's get to the next one the next one um yakubi it's rain um believe mm-hmm. it or not i was gonna get to a, a a patreon left me a question and this is the same question so this is great we're rolling in two and one right here mm-hmm. and uh so thank you for the super chat it says what does Robert price think of the nazareth inscription
1: is that the one that says anybody caught tampering with a grave is doing it under pain of death exactly yeah That's- that is a pretty wild uh, stab in the dark because uh it's people of course, the point of of apologists appealing to this is, oh, I bet you Pilate, who apparently was the one that put there that, that there, was thinking of uh the uh the hoax that Jesus disciples stole the body, and that's why the tomb was empty um did they think that this was going to become a fad like a youtube challenge see how many bodies you can steal i mean there were there were other people that stole bodies but uh sometimes for magic purposes uh they uh, they would uh especially if you had a holy man because they they would use him as uh Uh, relics to heal, just like in the Middle Ages. So there were people that were tomb robbers. Sometimes, I suppose the most uh, common thing is that they would break open the tombs to see if there were any funerary tokens that were valuable. Like the pharaoh, of course, ba- buried with huge amounts of treasure. Well, most people wouldn't have that. But, uh, you know, hereditary uh, heirlooms, uh, valuables, money might be in there. And so they would rob tombs for that reason. I mean, there, there are plenty of reasons to outlaw tomb robbing. And uh, to say that this refers to the Jesus story, it's just wild speculation.
0: Yeah, it just seems like it's you're reaching for that like why why put up in an, I mean it for it just sounds really strange there's an inscription and it has to do with the bible narrative somehow like it's somehow out of all things the inscription could say it has something to do with well if Jesus wouldn't be taken down from his from his uh so there's a law that says that no one should do this therefore it never happens that means nobody would ever do that which means that his tome had to have been empty only because of one thing and one thing alone because he resurrected. Like that, the whole thing just sounds so ridiculous when you put it all together. It's really
1: reaching, I think. And they're making it sound ridiculous. If that, if you think that's worth citing, you're just saying, well, there's no real evidence, but uh, here's the best I can do. And, And you're inviting ridicule. Right.
0: Yeah, it is it is kind of it is kind of odd. Um there is a comment that I saw from here it is, Jojo Freelancer. He he said that Noah literally meet Manu of Hinduism and Nuh of Islam. Now I don't know about all that, but I do know that it is interesting that in Hinduism the Manu character is the one that survives the, the flood. So I see where he's going with that. Um well, yeah, that
1: that could be. I mean it's not yeah. like uh uh finding a, a Noah story on Mars or something. I mean, uh, right. there was travel way back there between the the, uh, the, the far reaches of Asia. So that's possible. And I think Nu uh, uh, in the uh, the Quran is, is explicitly supposed to be Noah. But yeah. uh, Noah, that name is also another version of Enoch and probably uh, originally the whole thing was parallel to the story of utnapishtim in uh the gilgamesh epic uh where uh trying to find the secret of immortality to raise his friend enkidu from the dead gilgamesh goes underground to to the tahome the the uh, universal ocean and is told to seek out utnapishtim who survived the flood and he does he finds him and uh, he uh, he tells him that Uh, the story of it, which is very much like the Noah story. And he says, that's why I'm still alive. The gods conferred immortality on me. So if that's what you want, I can tell you how to get it. And then it doesn't work out. But uh, the thing is, uh, Enoch and Noah are almost the same, especially when you realize that to transliterate uh, the Hebrew, when they make um, Enoch into an... uh, an adjective like, uh, well, yeah, enochic. Uh, when you do that with Noah, I'm sorry, it, there's a ch in it, noachian, uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, in the whoever wrote the article in the Encyclopedia Biblica says it's two versions of the same name. And uh, if that's if you reshuffle the pieces, you've got the same the whole parallel to Utnapishtim. Uh, God warns the righteous man about a world-destroying flood. He uh, he obeys the God's uh, instructions, builds the ark, takes his relatives and the animals, and comes out. And is he uh, since he obeyed God, he's given immortality. Uh, and, you know, not like, only, he
0: goes, and not only that, he lets off a bird who comes oh, back. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that—that's like that's as 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 specific as it gets for that mm-hmm. story to be in there now i know a lot of apologists use that story as strength to strengthen their argument see see this is the story of the guy who survived the babylonians just didn't have the right details but they have the same story so it had to be has to be true the only problem with that is the dating so the the babylonians and sumerians were thriving if you take the the bible uh if you if you if you actually do the math right take all the ages of all the patriarchs and go to the genealogy and look okay jesus to david all the way back to abraham all the way back to noah if you you could you can literally do this you could do the math how old all of them were when they died and you can go you can get a date it's like 2300 bc or something i'm just throwing it somewhere somewhere in the third cent, third millennium bc when this when the when the flood was um so if you if you, you get that number and then you're like okay let's look at the sumerian history oh they were thriving in that time. In fact, this is right before Sargon of Akkad took so, takes over and starts his empire. Like, not even a century before that. So you're telling me that three people are, Shasha eight people, but one guy, three sons, and uh, four other women, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Five. Or, yeah. Five. And um, yeah, no, four. Four women. You're telling me that those people populated the entire world within a century to get to the Sargonic empire, an empire that's conquering all of Assyria and Egypt's thriving now. All of a sudden India's we know India was populated by then. Even China Mm. was populated by then. Hell, even the Americas was getting populated at that Mm. time. Doesn't make any sense at all. So then you have to look at that. And then if you want to say that the, by the way, the the uh the scroll or the um the 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 actual archaeology that has that story mm. of the flood survivor the arto hisis and the epic of gilgamesh they were already around when this story was supposedly happening so they what do they pr- predict that story was this a prophecy of noah it well, work.
1: this is an interesting question. Uh, I have never heard anybody try to get out of the problem this way, but I suspect people have. Oh, you know yeah. how uh, there's a similar difficulty with uh, the age of the earth, right, that according to the same method you just mentioned that Bishop Usher used, the creation, you know, comparing the genealogies, doing all the math, uh, the world must have been created in 4004 B.C., uh, and uh but of course there's all kinds of ways uh geologically dendrochronologically dendro-chrono- and so on that show oh no no it's it's way older than that well old yeah old earth creationism comes about to deal with that and the gap theory uh well uh all right all right i guess it they were wrong about that um but there must've been gaps in the genealogy. They just mentioned the most important people. I don't think that works because the the fact that it says how old one patriarch was when he had kids, how long he remained alive and so forth. But, right. but this is another version of that dilemma. And uh, so they could probably try to use the same evasive tactics to say, well, yes, you're right. That would be pretty funny, uh, but it must actually have been um, um, much older, and the Bible. They're, they're suddenly, they'll start getting non-literal uh, when they're in a tight spot. But also, okay. they would. They probably would say uh, the uh, all these other versions of the flood. They're less accurate later records that uh, the 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 flood of Noah was the real one, and. Um, the traditions became garbled in these other countries, but luckily, thanks to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you got a, a rather different, because more original and accurate version of the Bible. Again, I've never heard anybody say that, but I bet some of them do. It, it's just that it's obviously a kind of ad hoc hypothesis. Uh, it's just, you, you. it's so complicated. It's just automatic, it's like a razor. You really want to go with this? It's just a house of cards. Uh and plus even if there weren't any of these chronological problems, where'd they get the penguins? Uh what the, you know they're all kinds of animals they couldn't have known about. So uh what happened? God Put rafts on the the shore of Antarctica and have the penguins just uh, climb. You guys get off here.
0: Let everyone else off at their own spot. Yeah. Well, that's a great point because I had I had an expert uh, on biology and evolution with Doctor um with Doctor Joshua Bowen as well, who's a meteorologist. We all three of us did this topic in 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 general. We went in on the Noah's Ark thing, and she was making the point that Erica Gutsick Gibbons. She was making the point that, look, only these animals live in this part of the world. This part of the world was where only certain animals live. And then and then you could see on certain continents that used to be together. For example, our, our Africa and South America used to be connected because of Pangea. You can see where the relatives are based on the coast. So it's like, uh-huh. you're telling me that Noah's Ark happens. The, the whole world's in a flood. The, the entire Pangea thing all happens in one year or they just magically appear on certain continents where it looks like they were together and god just confuses everybody and makes it look like the 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 continents are fit together like puzzle pieces but they really don't it's really just our imagination satan's satan did all this
1: that's your only two options well some say that uh some apologists say that um god did create things in the order in which we find them in the fossil record and uh he made the species so some look a lot like the others and there's a bigger gap between this bunch and that bunch and they wind up saying uh all right it does in effect they're saying it does look as if evolution happened but it didn't uh, god just discreetly created all of them in stages and in different places like with the the related species on the now separate continents he just decided to make it look like they had a common home. why <laughs> what on earth it's it just just to provide an excuse for ev- for anti-evolutionists it's just so stupid all right,
0: right. let's get to the next super chat uh, was it's Yahuda Ben Yisrael? Thank you for the super chat. He says, Was Mark who wrote the book of Mark Marcion? Mark Marcion Marcion.
1: Yeah, Marcion means little Mark, uh, diminutive like uh Caesarion was uh the son of Julius Caesar and Cleopatra. I mean, little Caesar, not the pizza guy, but uh, uh, and uh. It's been suggested that Mark's gospel was the Marcionite gospel, not just because of the name, which would be ridiculous because Mark was the most common male name in the whole Roman world, but, uh, but rather because Mark has this unremitting disdain for the 12, and that's like the fundamental thing in Marcionism. That the uh, that yeah Jesus did t- try to teach the twelve, but they were a bunch of uh, wooden heads that that uh, refused to see that he was saying, look, we're not modifying Judaism. Uh, the, he wasn't anti-Semitic, as far as we know. He wasn't even anti-Judaic. He's saying that's the religion of the creator and the lawgiver for Jews. That's not the father of Jesus Christ, and uh, and so. Uh, he said, well, wh- wh- you know, where did you get the idea that Christianity does grow out of Judaism and that Christians ought to keep the Old Testament? Well, it's because of the, uh, the 12 disciples who were, who were just too stupid to grasp what was happening. And that's where the Apostle Paul comes in. I mean, this is always a conundrum for the Orthodox. Well, he chose the 12. Uh, where, why was there a need for Paul? Uh, And, uh, I mean, I've heard him say, well, maybe they jumped the gun replacing Judas, and Paul was the one God really intended, so now they had a leftover, but come on. Uh, Marcion said, well, it's because the the 12 were not satisfactory, Uh, and uh, what do you want? They weren't really religiously educated, as the New Testament itself tells us, Uh, but, Jesus decided he needed somebody who had a little more gray matter and went to Paul and said, okay, I'm trying one more time. Now, do you get this? No more Torah, et cetera. And uh, and so uh, Paul was the one that got it right. And uh, you had a kind of mixed syncretistic Judeo-Christianity, and think of the trouble Christians have always had trying to make the Old and New Testaments agree. I mean, good luck, that's like trying to make the Upanishads in the New Testament the same way. And uh, so some people have said, now, how many people thought that way? Well, actually, there could have been all kinds of Christians that thought that, but the one we know the most about is the Marcionite Church. And there, there are other hints in other uh, New Testament books of Marcionite influence that crept in, at, like where Jesus says, uh, no one knows the Father except for the Son, and anyone to whom the Son deigns to reveal him. Uh, what? What? You mean Moses and Isaiah didn't know or see God, or John, right? No one has seen God, but the only son who was in the bosom of the fathers made Surely Moses, he, he talked with God face to face all the time. What? Did the right. New Testament writer not know that? No, he wasn't stupid. You just have uh, different Christianities jammed together by later editors.
0: That's such a good point. It's such a really interesting point. And then you look at the, I mean, even when you look at the epistles, like James and how it seems like he's arguing with Paul about does faith come from, from faith or does salvation come from faith alone? And he says, no, you ignoramus. It comes from Mm -hmm. works and faith. And he's like, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. Abraham was justified by the works he did because of his faith. And then you got Paul saying the exact opposite. So you see that happening in the epistles. But then you look at the four gospels themselves. and It's like you have four different Jesus One of them has an eternal eternal Logos who was there in the beginning with the Father. And the other one, you just got some guy who was grew up in Nazareth. And then when he was baptized, then he became, then the Holy Ghost came with mm. him. This totally mm-hmm. totally separate accounts of who this guy was. Um, What do you think about that? And then I have another question about Mark that I want to get to that I just thought well, of.
1: Uh, it's uh, if, if uh, to get the whole picture of Jesus, you got to combine all of that stuff. How come nobody did it until the second century? Uh, Tatian took bits and pieces of all four gospels and made them into one more or less unified, uh, uh, continuous narrative. Like if, if it was obvious from the beginning, if Jesus had really taught that he was. Uh, a divine being, he's a second person of the Trinity, why did it take 300 years for people to settle it through various debates, finally voting on the truth? It's just obvious, like people don't like church history, because even the elemental parts of it are very disturbing. It shows that the, the eternal gospel has human fingerprints all over it. Uh, and uh, the, this is another case of it. You try to pretend that all of them knew the same truth about Jesus, but just uh, emphasize things differently. Uh, that uh, to a degree, sure, why not? But but uh, the differences like you mentioned are pretty darn big. It seems like you, you're you combining characters. In my book that's uh, in I the really works now, I mean, I finished it, but hasn't yet been published called uh, the gospels behind the gospels i try to explain how these how the portrayal of jesus as the prophet like moses is different from saying jesus is elijah returned another early christian view or that jesus was an angel or uh one thing after another and there are about nine different ones and so i i don't think these were all mashed together originally I think the gospel writers have just, like in a menu, one from column A, one from column B, and you come up with different super Jesuses.
0: Before I get to the next Super Chat, I want to throw something in. I want to get your thoughts on this, because according to Eusebius, Mark wrote his gospel in Alexandria, Egypt, with Peter. Peter was telling him what to write, basically. So really, this is Peter's gospel. Mark's just the scribe who's writing it according to Eusebius that's all i'm just just going by what it says in the history so if this is true mark lives in mark's living in egypt well it turns out the, the, there's a, there's a there's a tome of saint mark that right now is in venice and uh they th- they say they got the tome from egypt that was transported from egypt centuries ago it was brought from egypt to venice sometime i don't know when but now the, the this is the question right because alexander the great was buried or not buried but he was you know laid to rest in alexandria egypt um and his tome was very famous everyone knew about it all of a sudden it vanishes from history in like the year like 225 a.d is like the last time somebody in history ever mentioned seeing it I can't remember the person's name long story short a couple of centuries later, after Christianity becomes the, the state religion of all of the West, you know, the Roman Empire, plus Europe and everything and Egypt. Well, this uh, author named Chrysippus or Chrysippus or whatever, whatever the name is, he wrote that he went to go find the tome and he can't find it. And he says he every person he asked for, like, we don't know what happened to that thing. It's been gone for a long time. So. It turns out that now people are saying that the tome that Alexander was buried in, which has the, which they think because the Egyptians thought his father was necked Well, the, hmm. the tome that's in Venice that they thought was St. Mark has some inscription in hieroglyphics that they did not decode until they found the Rosetta Stone in like the 19th, hmm. whatever, whatever that was, Napoleon oh. era. Right. So they find this yeah, the century, the Rosetta Stone, which now they can read hieroglyphics sure enough, the hieroglyphics mm. say something about Nectanebo evil on there. So they think mm. that the Tome of St. Mark might be Alexander the Great. Now, I say all that to say this. This is my question for you. If this is really Alexander the Great's Tome, what does that do for Jesus' mythicism, historicism, historicity, if Mark is a real person or not? Or why would Mark, why would they take the Tome of Mark, and or take the Tome of Alexander the Great and make it Mark? That's right there is mind-blowing to think about this because the repercussions of that this isn't proven by the way this is still a theory nobody knows if this is true or not for all we know there could be saint mark just they just could have hey that's a cool looking tomb bring it over here put mark in there hmm. who knows that could be it. that could have happened but i'm saying hmm. if let's say tomorrow the, the archaeologists or whatever someone just decides this really is this home of alexander the great what do you think about this I'm not sure I follow. Uh, like, like, what do you think this does to Christianity in the sense that they're, they're calling the Tome of Alexander the Great, St. Mark? Like, that would mean that someone did this on purpose, right? Wouldn't that mean that? Or is
1: this... Uh, it, it could, because uh, uh, Constantine sent people all over the place trying to recover the supposed relics of the apostles. Uh, right. And uh, he set this thing up. Where they're in a huge mausoleum, where uh, it was like a clock face. You had uh, platforms, each containing the uh, what bones they could find, supposedly, of the twelve disciples minus Judas, I guess. And uh, they, well, <laughs> and uh, and then he would be at uh, at noon. Uh, he he himself, when he died, had a reserved. Uh, catafalque, I guess they call it, implying he was sort of like the new Jesus. And uh, but who knows whose bones they had, because famously in the Middle Ages, there were like three different supposed heads of John the Baptist floating around. And uh, it just there's no way to know. And there's no particular uh, reason. I just saw something last night uh, on TV about how uh, they stumbled upon under the Vatican um, a set of bones, and they said, "Oh, these must be the bones of Saint Peter." And that's purely arbitrary guesswork, and I, it's just there's no anything that's supposedly a relic uh, of any biblical figure. With one exception, uh, they they have the mummy of Ramses the Now, if if that is the the correct identification of the pharaoh of the exodus i used to show my students in old testament classroom a book here is an actual photograph of a guy mentioned in the bible because there they have the uh the photo of this recovered mummy but that's about it right i mean there's there's no there's nothing else. It's and I don't think that bears on mythicism versus staricism because they say, Well, suppose you discovered the tomb of Jesus, the body of Jesus, how would you know? And you have the same ambiguities as with the Shroud of Turin. Uh, right. I mean, even, even bracketing the dating thing, which is enough to explode it, uh, to say, yeah. Well, this guy had the same sort of wounds. That, that Crucifying thousands of people there's no name on the thing uh and so there's no i mean even if they were real and had been crucified or whatever who knows mm-hmm. what the heck happened
0: right and the, only, the reason why i asked that question is because somebody like alexander the great who is probably on everyone's top five list of the most famous people ever in history mm-hmm. probably most people i mean literally that Alexander the Great. Everyone knows who Alexander the Great is. The mm-hmm. fact that someone like that can get get lost in history. One, that yeah. that right there is amazing. But two, for him to be replaced by one of the four gospel writers sounds it sounds really conspiracy theories all start floating. You know what I'm saying? Like it sounds really strange to me. That's all I'm saying. I just wanted to well, get your thoughts.
1: It's kind of like uh, if you found that uh, statue of Isis breastfeeding Horus. The end, uh, um, some people apparently first thought that was the Virgin Mary and Jesus. And it's, no, no, you see these hieroglyphs here, uh, it's, it's Isis and Horus. Like it, or making a, rechristening an old pagan temple as a Christian church—it's sort of like that. This is a bi- or making Brumalia, the uh, nativity of Mithras, into Christmas, the nativity of Jesus. It's like um, why destroy this stuff if you can capitalize on it so it it might simply be that we don't care about Alexander the no good pagan but uh, we we do care about the evangelist Mark and if he was in Egypt good enough Um, uh, in fact that legend about Mark uh, itself grew in the telling I think the earliest version from Papias in around 125 or so says that Mark was Peter's secretary in Rome and that he just decided to write down what uh, Peter was in the habit of of telling Christians there and uh, not that uh, Peter dictated or even told him to do it. And then later we hear that, oh, no, he wrote it down when he had moved to Alexandria. And of course, when you hear something like that, you know, they're just trying to sort of steal the notoriety of another uh, holy place, which happened all the time.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get to the next one. Enough of my conspiracy theories, you know. Just, I just thought I'd th- quote that by you. But... No, there
1: were conspiracies like that.
0: No, no, for me to say like, for me to suggest that they're purposely making Alexander the Great into Mark as some they sort of... might have, but it could, you never know. That's
1: not far out.
0: Yeah, it's not that. It's not that far. I don't think so. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for that. All right. Uh, the next one is for Medalia. How you doing? Good friend of good friend of the channel. And uh, not sure if this is correct, but does Robert Price see in Josephus' books the correlations and parallels between Titus and Jesus? This is kind of kind of like we were just talking about with Mark and Alexander, but Titus and Jesus—Titus sacking the temple, he's being the son of a deified uh, deified emperor.
1: You know, I'm sure. What do you think mm. about that? And Vespasian was supposed to be a god, so that would make Titus the son of God. Both exactly, were considered yeah. to be the Messiah uh, by some Jews, even. Uh, and right. the it's Jews. in the Talmud. The, oh, Talmud, Talmud.
0: Says,
1: the Talmud says that when Vespasian
0: met with the high priest Johanan, Johanan walked up to him and was like, "You are the king." All these, pro- he's, he, started, he started naming off Bible verses from the Old Testament. Right isaiah about the 24 32 i'm just throwing numbers out there he's like this is for you these are prophecies for you and then vespasian just looks at him and goes i should kill you you you, you have death on two counts like what, what kind of insane me that's why I, for some of it people think this is a, a fake meeting between them two. but for that part alone makes you think that there's something real about this that's what a roman emperor would say but
1: anyways uh, but, uh... Johanan ben Zakkai was one of the great rabbis. It's a little tough to imagine Jews passing on a story like that if they weren't sort of stuck with it. Uh, you got that maybe right. there's some other way it makes sense that I haven't thought of. But uh, but the uh, you you could say you know Josephus of course execute Vespasian Titus's father. Uh he, he also said, well, it's clear you, now that you're the Messiah foretold in the book of Numbers and all that stuff. And uh, we thought it would be a Jew, but obviously not. That sounds like somebody that says, uh, uh, you're, you're the Messiah. Yeah, that's the ticket. Uh, you Don't, kill yeah. Don't kill us. Don't kill us. You're the Messiah. Don't kill us. So that could be. But on the other hand... Uh, it isn't that strange because uh, in the second Isaiah, God says that Cyrus of Persia is his Messiah, his anointed one. And and so if God sends a deliverer, it may not really matter right. uh, what uh, or a judge because uh, they naturally had to say that uh, they naturally had believed that God had sent the Romans to punish them because otherwise, what are you gonna say? God doesn't care. Uh, He's not involved. There's no divine providence. No, 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 no. Uh, All hope is gone, that's the case. I'd rather believe God sent this as a punishment and then we'll try to do better next time. But um, in in the sense that uh, Titus was the son of a God, and uh, I don't know how many other parallels. I know Vespasian supposedly healed a couple of people to his own surprise.
0: Oh, yeah. That's not even just in, – that's in Tacitus and Suetonius yeah. That's in multiple accounts. Obviously, mm. obviously, it's not true, but it's in multiple accounts. So it's like you asked, you asked theists, Christians, or anyone in general, why don't you believe that? What do, mm. what do you ask? What's your answer? It's in multiple accounts. It's written down. Why don't you believe yeah. that? Oh, well, that's because it's mm. not true. Blah blah blah. Then they become a skeptic in that sense. But back yeah. to what? Back to the question though. There's a there's actually a passage in Josephus in the Wars, or is it the Wars or the I can't Antiquities? One of the two books, right? Where he says that when the catapult was shooting stones, they would look up in the sky and say, "The sun comes. The sun comes," and it's S O N there's also a um and this is in my english translation and the uh there's a annotation on the bottom whoever put this together this translation i can't remember who it was it's a famous sure translation. They were
1: just quoting the beatles you know here comes the sun here comes the sun
0: no but actually in the annotation it says that the greek word for sun and sun believe it or not it's not just similar in english it's actually similar in greek too so they couldn't tell if it means sun Helios or Elias, so that's really fascinating. That even in the Greek, they the sun that the, the passage in Josephus talking about Titus sacking Jerusalem says the sun comes, and they couldn't tell if it's the sun s u n or s o n. That's fascinating.
1: Would be Huyos, and that, even that is similar. That's what to I meant. That's Helios. what. I mean.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. That's
1: but good. there's also an interesting thing at the crucifixion when Jesus in Mark says uh uh Eloi Eloi lama sabachthani, uh, why have you forsaken me? Uh I don't know that anybody else said this, but I first read it in the the uh, channeled nineteenth-century uh, book, *The Aquarian Gospel of Jesus the Christ*, which is a really interesting uh, New Agey kind of uh, book. Uh, a lot of work went into it, and the the author has Jesus crying out and um, Helios. Uh, which is in, almost the same in Greek as Elijah, which is Elias. And, uh, and he said that that was connected. The author here, uh, Levi Dowling, claimed that Jesus was calling on the sun to return because of the darkness at noon. And I have to take that seriously. I, I think there's some weird thing in the background there. Uh, But maybe this other thing is another version of that somehow. But I think the relevance of the Jesus Titus business is uh, the uh, the theory uh, that uh, Joe Atwill and uh, 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 what's Jim Valiant and Warren Faye say that that suppose this was supposed, suppose the the Mark and Apocalypse, Mark 13, when it talks about the coming of the Son of Man in judgment. And and it's the question that introduces it is, uh, when's this gonna happen, the destruction of the temple? When's that slated for? And it winds up being about uh, uh, the coming of the Son of Man in judgment. Is it possible that's cagey symbolic language? Uh, that because it doesn't say in the the Mark and uh, Mark thirteen passage that the Son of Man is Jesus, and and I wonder are they saying that Titus was the fulfillment? I used to think that was a, an absurd notion, but now I think there might be something to it.
0: Yeah, you know the uh, the Roman providence uh, authors, you know Valiant and all those guys. I don't agree with everything they say, but they're on. They know their stuff. They know their history. Mm-hmm. They know the Bible. They know the Roman history. And they're there's they're right about a lot of stuff. I'm just saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't mm-hmm. agree with all of it, but I, I, I love talking to James Valiant because he knows he's on to something. He's on to something. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Um thank you, Bill Castle, for the five dollar super sticker. I really appreciate it. Um let's get to the next super chat. There was one more, I believe. There it is. Vesper. What do you know of the relationship between Johannites, Leviticon Gospels, Priory of Sion, Knights Templar, the Evangelist, Mandeans, etc? Ah, uh, let's see. It's a lot going on there for
1: I don't know what the Leviticon Gospels refers to. And by Johannites, do you mean followers of John the Baptist? Um, Yeah, because it's just saying
0: Mandeans too. So I guess that's that's where he's leading towards.
1: Well, I I do think that the, I do accept the name of the Mandeans who are still around, uh, a baptizing Gnostic sect, uh, that the claim that they are descendants of the sect of john the baptist mentioned in the new testament and the clementine writings and so on uh, just like boltman did and there are passages in their scriptures that are so close to material in the gospel of john uh, and it doesn't really sound like it was copied but it sounds like it was the same thought world like manda the i think it is or one of their angelic redeemers says uh uh a good shepherd, am I, Uh, the true vine, am I, and various other things that have different contexts and all that, but they're revelation discourses like you find in the Gospel of John, and John seems, John's ceiling to John the Baptist fans to jump ship and come over to Christianity. Uh, It is... uh, express in its insistence that John the Baptist, whoever he may have been, was not the Messiah, uh, but that John would have wanted any of you Baptist followers to go uh, to to Jesus instead, uh, that he was merely the front man for Jesus, and so his disciples should not be jealous on his account that he's being eclipsed by Jesus and so on. Uh, So I think that uh, the John the Baptist sect continued on its own for at least a couple of centuries, and maybe even till today, that that is my uh, working hypothesis. Uh, So um, now, what would they have to do with uh, the the, um, uh, Priory of Zion and the Knights Templar? Well, the Knights Templar were an order of armed monks who volunteered to go to the Holy Land to protect Catholic pilgrims who wanted to visit the holy sites, and uh, I suppose from that they they must have charged a fee. But one way or another, they became fabulously wealthy. Though as ascetics, they didn't keep the money themselves. They you know there was nothing they wanted to buy, uh, and so they had this huge fortune set up. Well, uh, they became they started banking in Europe. And uh, and the kings, when they ran low on funds, would would uh, get a loan from the Knights Templar. Uh, and finally, Philip the Fair, uh, French king decided, uh, boy, uh, that money looks real good over there. Uh, It would sure get me out of debt. And so he circulated this false accusation that the Templars were heretics, uh, that they were diabolists and closet Muslims, and that uh, they worshiped and literally kissed the butt of this goat-headed demon, Baphomet. Baphomet, and, yeah. and of course you know right there the whole thing is spurious because baphomet is just an old french spelling of mahomet or muhammad the so sibling
0: oracles the sibling oracles also talks about what you're talking about right now but yeah, ah. yeah let's go ahead
1: so they they managed to persecute and kill them and it's um uh possible that uh the uh Let's see who else we're we talking about. The yeah, uh, it's possible that they took refuge among the Cathari or the Albigensians, who were medieval Gnostics, mm-hmm. and, and were finally besieged and slaughtered by the Catholic armies. Well, um, what was the real treasure of the uh, the Templars and the Cathari? This theory, uh, that you find in books like the uh, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, um, the Da Vinci Code, which is really based right on that, and several other things, uh, several other books. It's surprising how many of them uh, exist about this. The uh The real treasure was the secret that these people claimed the Templars discovered when they broke into the basement of uh, what had been the the Temple of Solomon. And that must be where they got all the piled up gold and uh, the genealogy of Jesus, which indicated that he married Mary Magdalene. And uh, then they both skipped the country and went across the Mediterranean to Gaul or to, to France. Uh, and uh, there they had children. And the Priory of Zion supposedly was this underground group that kept all this alive and secret. And they, they claimed that the Cathari the and the Templars had possession of the Holy Grail. That was one of their chief treasures, and that Jesus brought that to France. Now, that's based on an old Arthurian legend that right. after he rose from the dead, Joseph of Arimathea went with Jesus to uh, to France and with the grail and uh, and, and so on. Well, from whence it passed to King Arthur and the round table. Well, the Priory oh, of Zion supposedly... Uh, they... Think, they, they said that the the real holy grail the sangreal the holy grail was actually the sang real the holy blood and it was the the knowledge of the bloodline of jesus and mary magdalene which had given rise to the merovingian dynasty of kings um, which i guess was uh before charlemagne like pepin the short and those guys uh Clovis and all that, Um, and, and the Priory of Zion, though there once was such a thing, was revived by a weird fringe political group who supported monarchy. They wanted the monarchy of France restored, and the guy that was behind this claimed that he himself was the last heir of the Merovingian kings, and so if they were to restore the French monarchy he'd be sitting on the throne. the holy grail the holy bloodline existed in him now to to back this up they had the priory today's priory of zion had placed in some archive in the louvre i guess uh some supposed documents from medieval times and renaissance times with the Priory of Zion, whose members included Leonardo Di and all kinds of great inventors and philosophers. And that backed up the genealogy that issued in this guy. Well, these things were were shortly debunked as frauds, uh, but that didn't stop a lot of people from jumping on this bandwagon. And uh, so the, uh, the novel, um, the Da Vinci Code and the movie version of it. And if you saw the uh, TV series um, Preacher, that's all about that too. But it's it's just utterly fictitious. It's modern hoaxing turned into a modern legend. And um, it's fascinating, but a lot of bunk. You no, know,
0: that's what I'm saying. It's very fascinating. It, but it's also a good representation of how you can look at the past. For example, you're talking about France and Rome, the, the, the you know, the, the church, and then the, the, you know, the French emperor Charlemagne and the relationship between the two France obviously had more military power going forward in the medieval times. Well, if you look at the papacy, when it moved to France, a lot of people don't know this, but the, the, the Roman papacy actually moved to France for 70 years so what they After did was
1: 10, i think it was
0: yeah and so what they what they later called it was they called it the babylonian captivity of the vatican 70 yeah. years is how long the jews were in babylon for well the roman church the vatican went to avignon what they called the avignon papacy and so they had this the french and the romans had this relationship similar to the babylonians and the hmm. jews and they they line it up perfectly as the bible does But it shows you how that's so easy to do. That's what I'm saying. It shows you all you got to do is, okay, it's it's been 70 years. Let's go back to Rome. And then we could say, oh, look, it was a Babylonian captivity. That probably was so easy to do. It's not nothing magical about that. It's like a self-fulfilled prophecy. It's like, oh, look, he's had 12 disciples. Okay, he could have chose 12 people. That's it. Certain things people look at are like, oh, the numbers all match up. You can make that it's it's so easy to make all that stuff happen that's what i'm saying
1: but it is fascinating uh, i i uh admit the ancients including bible writers were big into numerology and number symbolism but since like where they don't explain it we don't really have any right to think we're cracking their code if they had one there's just a way we we will be embroidering the myth ourselves Right, right, right. All right, next okay, okay, If anybody wants to read what I wrote about the, the Da Vinci Code, I have a book called uh, The Da Vinci Fraud that goes into all of this stuff, and they might find it interesting.
0: The link is in the description right now, I put It's already there right now. So if you want to check that out, it's all, you can find it right there. Critical mm-hmm. faculty, my buddy, what's going on? Uh, mm-hmm. Just a hello and keep up the great work message for some of my favorite humans on the third rock from the Sun and you are mm-hmm. one of my favorite humans as well Haney. good to-
1: great 100%. yeah
0: and we're gonna have a we're doing a video with him on my channel pretty soon as well as I'll do one on his and you are you're on there cre- frequently as well aren't you critical uh, faculty. yeah I,
1: I uh, love being uh, sort of on the staff
0: here yeah yeah he's awesome good stuff good stuff I, everyone go subscribe to critical faculty if you haven't already. And there is a couple more, I believe. So let's see. You have got Johnny Left Hand for the $10. Thank you, Johnny. Mm. Uh, how is it possible less than 100 documents, codices, manuscripts exist today from all of Roman history, 700 years? How do you justify using later writers to justify any logical thought on that time? 100 documents from today, from all the Roman you mean history. mean
1: manuscripts like... I think I'm talking about
0: uh, manuscripts for the Bible, like for Christianity, that type of stuff.
1: Well, uh, the, uh, the Bible, there, there are tens of thousands of manuscripts in different languages that go way back there. Uh, And uh, but the problem and and often people will point to that and say, you see, it's it's never been changed. Well, that that's not really the case. Uh, In fact, there are all kinds of changes, though most of them that we can trace are pretty insignificant, where it's pretty obvious what happened, that somebody just skipped part of a sentence or repeated a sentence accidentally because they were nodding off Uh, and uh, or sometimes you can't really tell one bunch of manuscripts has uh, a verse and a bunch of other ones don't like father forgive them they know not what they do that's in a bunch of copies of Luke, but another bunch doesn't have them I don't know how you can settle that uh and so we'll never really know and uh but there are other ones where there's a long piece of text that's in later manuscripts not earlier ones and so you really have to conclude that they've been added but it isn't total chaos now the 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 thing that uh, lessens confidence in the accurate transmission of the bible is that there's in both cases the old and new testament there's a kind of transition period early on where we don't have any manuscripts, so we, and this is especially bad because as we trace corruptions in the biblical manuscripts, the earlier they are, uh, the more trouble there is. uh, And uh, we think uh, that's because they weren't yet held in this absolute esteem as sacred scripture people were a little less careful about it. And that means that if the earliest possible manuscripts have vanished, well, you know, what changes might have been made to us what we have now? William O. Walker and others have argued convincingly that The big reason we don't have any manuscripts of the New Testament, for instance, before I think it's the Chester Beatty Papyri around 200 AD is because that that, uh, the church authorities gathered up everybody's copies and weeded out stuff they didn't like and made them uniform. There's a tradition about the Quran that I think Uthman, uh, one of the caliphs, did this. That Muslims had all kinds of theological debates, uh, quoting this in that passage of the Quran, And one of them said, well, how about this? It says it's right here. And the other guy says, it's not in my copy. And uh, there was enough of this that Uthman said, yeah, look, we, we better hear this. Now, we don't know if he really did that or not. But uh, it's not unthinkable. And Walker says something like that. If that happened, it would explain this silence in the manuscript tradition uh, and before the ones we have. Though another possibility would be that it's because the stuff was not written until the late second century so that there isn't that much of a gap. But who the heck knows? And uh, it's like, and even there, You've got to say, all right, let's suppose what we have is almost identical to the first published circulated versions of the Gospels, the Epistles, the Psalms, the Prophets. Uh, What about the, the years leading up to those? Like right. uh, the the uh, there's all kinds of uh, apparent interpolation and redaction condensation uh, that we cannot trace anymore except by internal evidence. Right. Uh, that's why those arguments that well it's it's perfectly preserved. Uh, we we prim- just don't know. I'll
0: give you a prime example in the King James version of the Bible, and this is a lot of different versions that. Or have a differing thing for one for the, the epistle of John 1 John 5 7 it says that for these three are that bear record in heaven the Father the Word and the Holy Ghost and these three are one on the surface that looks like a p- perfect example of the Trinity in the Bible this mm-hmm. would be the only one because there's no nowhere in the te- New Testament or Old Testament or anywhere does it say anything about Trinity this mm-hmm. verse looks like it is a, a Trinity verse but mm-hmm. then you actually look at the manuscript, the oldest manuscripts you can find, second and third century manuscripts of this, which, by the way, there are no first century manuscripts of any of the New Testament. Right. As, far as, I can, as far as I know, the, the oldest we have are late second century. And then, then you start to get into the third is when they all start popping up. Long story short, none of them have this in there. They only have the first sentence, For there are three that bear, that bear record in heaven. I don't even know if it's... I'm not sure what it says, but it's very... Yes, you
1: quote accurately.
0: Okay, so that's the one. The, yeah. that's the next two sentences where it says the Father, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Those parts are added in way later. And I guess mm-hmm. Her, Erasmus, who was the one who compiled the Texas Receptus, he didn't want to add this verse in there. But they were like... Mm-hmm he got pushed into doing it like you better put it in there you better
1: do it he was showing his he had to compose a greek new testament from several partial scripts and for some of it he had no greek manuscript evidence at all and just went to the latin vulgate and translated that in greek well when he showed a friend of his the result the guy's reading through and he says hey Where's the Trinity verse, the one you quoted? And Erasmus said, there's no Greek manuscript evidence for that. And so his friend tells him, well, maybe I can help you out there. And a few days later, he comes back with one. And the assumption is that that it was a forgery. And that's how it got into the King James.
0: Right, right. Because they're saying that before the 14th century, there's none of that. They don't see it at all. Maybe Maybe just in the Latin verses. But... That's, that's mind blowing though. That, that alone, those are the, see, these are the type of things that when I was finding out as a Christian made me wonder, why am I the only one who's blown away by this stuff? Mm. And I was at a King James only church and I would bring Mm. this up to people in the church and they'd be like, oh, it's all lies. It's all lies. Satan's just trying to, it's all, it's not true. That's not true. That's what that's all I would say. I'd be like, okay, show me, show me something. Show me a manuscript that says this verse, anything, just show me one. No, you know, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. That's all you get. So, you know, that's whatever. It is what it is. I'm not not, trying to hate too much, but that's just my personal, uh, you know, experience. And so, yeah, like, but but a lot of people, I think it's important to point that out. Is like these manuscripts. Yeah, they all met. They're all pretty close to each other, Mm. but they do. They don't go back as far as people want them to go back is what I'm saying. Mm. I think that's what the question was getting at like, why well, don't we have a bunch from the first century? Well, there's a lot of reasons why papyrus doesn't last that long. The early Christians weren't that powerful. They didn't have funding to preserve these texts. That could be a – I'm being fair here. I'm trying huh? to be fair. That could be a factor too. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of factors. But long story short, when it, gets, when it comes down to it, like Bart Ehrman always says, we don't know that the manuscripts that we have are the original. We have no idea, and we'll never know. It will always be a mystery.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, There's this great, uh, late great um, philosopher, uh, John Baverslaus, who wrote a great book called uh, C.S. Lewis and the Search for Rational Religion. Well, in a manuscript, he laid aside and never finished uh, something like who wrote the Gospels, I forget. He says uh, this whole thing that and all of these manuscripts agree substantially anyway. Uh, so we it's fair to say we have like 98% certainty that we've got the, the New Testament as it was written. And Baberslaw said, that doesn't follow. I mean, if somebody says, hey, you want to know what my cousin Sally looked like? Uh, well, I happen to have a zillion photographs of her. Uh, and well, they probably uh, are are legit, but uh, Beverslaw said, "Look, unless I see Sally, I don't know that the that any of these represent what she looks like." Uh, right. And of course, that that's kind of far out and and highly improbable, but not in the case of of ancient documents. You, how do you know that they're accurate unless you have the original to compare them with? And we don't. Well, that's a good analogy because
0: how do you know it's really his aunt unless she says I'm his aunt? He could be pointing to him. Hey, look, this is my aunt. It could be someone else's aunt. Yeah. Why is that? What does that matter as an analogy to the Bible? Well, it's like, yeah, we have manuscripts and there's a lot of them. But how do you know they were written by the so-called Mark and Luke and John? How do you know they weren't written by someone else? That's what, I'm, that's what I'm, I'm not saying. They're not real manuscripts. Like you said, the picture is probably real, probably really is a person. But hot, there's a lot of things in between that we you can never you can't just say are mm-hmm. true, based on what it mm-hmm. says. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, this is all wishful thinking, uh, and like political spin doctors. You wonder, how can they sleep at night with what they're saying? They're, they're just liars. Uh, and uh, But they do it because it's a good cause. Uh, the world will be better if their candidate is elected. And the same thing here, uh, just lame arguments, but anything that might work. Next super chat, say 10. Thank you for the 666 super chat.
0: And uh he says, I have listened to a lot of Dr. Price, and he never gets old. I always learn something new. Thanks, Neil, and Doc thanks, Dr. Price. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the last one. I think it might be. And we are definitely well into past an hour. Um, let me just make sure there's nothing else hanging along, no stragglers. That's it. Is it? Anything you want to conclude on what we talked about?
1: Well, uh, this is just uh, another example of the approach I always take and that I recommend that if we really love the Bible for its own sake, we're not going to prejudge anything. Uh, And there is no reason to attack the Bible. Uh, If you love it, you don't attack it. Now, some people do have this weird vendetta uh well like uh, robert ingersoll though he was a saintly man but he he apologizes in the beginning of his book some mistakes of moses he says it's in bad taste to criticize the Bible, there are treasures within it, but I'm afraid I have to sh- point out the mistakes and stuff uh, to debunk the use of it by people to to tell other people what to do. Uh, to, to claim divine authority for their opinions, that I've got to speak up against that. And if that means promoting a realistic version of the Bible, uh, that the, there are things that nobody ought to believe, well, that's what I have to do, but I do so as an admirer of the Bible. It's just you've got to realize what it is. It's like a Bronze Age document. It's, it's uh, you know naturally going to find some stuff we've gotten beyond now is it the word of god well that's superstition there's no reason to think so but it's not mind comp either uh and uh exactly. so that, that's the way i approach it and why i do what i do and and you you're the same obviously and i recommend that stance to anybody interested in the bible yeah and it's fascinating because it is an ultimately
0: the, the ultimate book of our history yes yeah. is, it is the book that claims to go back all the way to the beginning whether that's mm-hmm. true or not is not is beside the point because when you're reading the text and you're going through the old books of the Torah or these prophets and into the New Testament you can see sort of how humans think the process of what we think
1: yeah. well it's
0: a it's an amazing thing to study it really is it really is just mm-hmm. fast that's people ask me why I even care anymore if I deconverted because it really is one of the most fascinating subjects that there is by far. Because mm. it's, it's the ultimate question. Is, is this all that should it matter? If not, then you know what I mean? It's just, it's the one thing that you have to get to the bottom of, I think. It's like just... Mm. We got another super chat real quick. Lauren oh, Jones. Great. Thank you for the super chat, Lauren Jones. Hi, Dr. Price. What is your favorite? Hey. Flood, what is your favorite flood myth? Thanks for your great work. Myth? Uh, I
1: guess mm-hmm.
0: so there's a lot of them out there
1: yeah in fact in my politically correct Bible which is a, a humor book I, I have Noah emerging from the ark and uh he sees that the hull of his boat is in a traffic jam with loads of other arcs uh, piloted by guys whose gods w- forewarned them. And here's Utnapishtim over here, and here's Sudra over here. And so he say, well, That's what's great. the deal? I thought I was the only one. No, you're not. Uh, I guess my favorite would be probably the uh, J version of the flood from Genesis. It's interwoven with the P version. I, I like the J one better yeah what is the difference between those two by the way because I, I know
0: that peak scholars have pointed out that you can tell there's like an interwoven going on i know that i know for example in the book of genesis where it talks about joseph in one section he's he's sold to the ishmaelites and then like two pa- two paragraphs later he's not with he's with the moabites like how did that happen hmm. what do they they sell him twice yeah, they like-
1: they conflated two versions. One was incomplete, but they had to get it in because if they didn't, because uh, this was like a, a an ecumenical compromise document to get everybody's sacred traditions, and people had different versions of different stories. And if they left one out, somebody would be reading and say, hey, we're so-and-so. Forget it. Uh, in fact, this happened when the Revised Standard Version was Published because it didn't have the long ending of Mark with all the snake handling and stuff like that. It didn't have the woman taken in adultery from John. It didn't have the Trinity verse that you mentioned. And there were fundamentalists that held book burnings of the ideas. Yeah, R-O-Z. they lost their minds over that. Yeah, and, it's, and their the favorite I, wasn't in
0: Right, and the ironic thing about that is the the fundamentalists lose their minds over good scholarly done. Bible translations that are based off the ancient manuscripts alone. Nothing else. No no Latin Bibles from the sixth, seventh century. None of that. They're going right to the right to the source, and the fundamentalists hate that, which they should love.
1: Right? Don't they want the real thing? Well, well, in fact a couple of the early textual critics, I think, um oh boy. Oh, what's his name? Uh, Tregellis, I think, and uh, and another one were they were zealots to find old manuscripts. And uh, one of them found the Codex Sinaiticus in the garbage at a monastery in the Sinai Peninsula. And uh, these guys were Plymouth brethren. I mean, about as fundamentalist as you could get saw the textual criticism because they said hey we believe in verbal inspiration we think god virtually dictated it or if he didn't the result was the same uh this is the word of god we don't want admixture of some jerks ideas what ought to be in the bible uh so if there's something that isn't in the bible let's get rid of it shouldn't be in there Uh, and and there uh, there are fundamentalists that correctly saw If it matters what it says, word for word, then let's make sure we got the right words. But you can well understand the fear of everybody else, because since you can't be that sure, uh, you know how they like to say the Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, if you're not sure the Bible said it, in this case, in that case, and. You can't be absolutely sure in any case. Oh boy! Uh, And so I can well understand that, but it's more psychology than than logic.
0: Well, it's so funny that you said because one of the last conversations I had with, not the pastor of the church I was going to, but another pastor from a church that was close by. they They were all interconnected. It was like this: the KJV only born agains. They were all like sort of in this like network, right? Well, one of this one of the young pastors, his name is Miguel, and uh, he he reached out to me in text message, and we were had this long conversation. He's asking, "Why are you leaving? What what's going on? What's how could you? What do you not see? What, what I can help you out? I can give you all the answers." Like he was doing one of those things, and mm-hmm. I brought up exactly what we're talking about. Like you know, the King James is not perfect. First of all, mm-hmm. let's start with this, and he would literally say to me. If I would point out something like, like we just talked about, like the one John 5, 7 thing, and I would point mm-hmm. this out to him, and he would literally say, it doesn't matter. The King James is perfect, pure, and it's inspired by God, no matter what you say, no matter what you throw at me. And I go, that's literally, so you're literally saying it's perfect because you say so. He's like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say so, because it is. I go, well, that's because you're saying so. Like, that, I'm not even that's joking. This is the conversation we're for. We had. This is the conversation we actually had. And he would it it came down to him saying the king james is perfect not not of poo poo i don't care what you say that's yeah, yeah. the con- i'm like okay so you i don't know what to tell you bye like that was that was a long that was like a two week long conversation back and forth i'll never forget that they were trying to keep mm. me to keep me there that that's that's the type mm. of church i was in you know what i mean
1: But um, well the oh, same yeah. sort of thing happens with different issues all the time in churches yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I believe in Jesus Christ as my personal savior, but I'm not so sure about the inerrancy of the Bible. You're no Christian. Get out of here.
0: Right. That's what. It, and that's what it came down to. I don't know. If you didn't, you didn't believe the King James Bible was perfect, pure word of God, that you were going to hell. And they would mm. say people, people who read the NIV, the New American, the New International Version, were being tricked by Satan to read a false Bible, and they were going to go to hell. All Catholics were going to hell. Ooh. This is what they would say. This is how hardcore these people were. Wow. Yeah, This and that's and that's that's happening right now in 2022. There's mm-hmm. a church there's churches out there that say that. Wow. But Amazing. um but yeah, I was last thing I wanted to ask you before we go is what is the difference in those in the priestly and the J source oh, yeah. for the Noah's flood?
1: Well, uh they in the two accounts, there's a different estimate as to how long the flood lasted. I think in, in, I could have the wrong one, but I think in J it's 40 days and 40 nights, uh, but in P it's like something days. Uh, in uh, in the, the J version leaves it open for possibly a devastating local flood. But in the P version, it's very clear that the whole world is submerged, even beyond the the Himalayas. Had they known about them, uh, in the the uh, J version, there are um, the the animals go aboard the ark in uh, let's see um, pairs of unclean animals. But seven pairs, I think, of of ritually clean or kosher animals. And the reason for that is they're going to need to eat something while they're uh, on the the high seas. But they're not going to eat any uh, of the unclean ones. So they're they're eating. The, they need extras of the uh, uh, unclean ones uh, and uh, of clean ones. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, the reason for that is that Jay imagines the Levitical code was already in effect at the beginning, but the priestly writer knows that was a subsequent development, so he, he has a different number. He knows they wouldn't have been eating any of them. And uh, I'm not sure if they split up the birds uh, that they send for reconnaissance but uh those are the biggies both of them end with a pledge from god not to flood out the human race again but those are are sort of big one gives the measurements for the ark the other doesn't uh and uh i think those are are the big big ones
0: yeah that's a big difference too that's a lot of differences right there mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i mean when it comes down to it it's like the way I see the Old Testament and even even the new, it's parts of the new, is it's sort of allegorizing real historical not events, but like um eras. I mean, like like I think that's possible that Abraham they're when they're when they're compiling stories of Abraham, they're thinking they're, or they're are they you know their orally tradition being passed down of certain time periods, certain things happening, certain eras, and they're sort of you know, characterizing it with Abraham or David. I know some scholars don't even think David existed. Uh, yeah, Dr. Fransombo, she doesn't think he existed. Um, Dr. Israel, uh, what's his name? Israel, um, what's his name again? Isra- Dr. Israel, I think his name is, but a f- famous biblical scholar and archaeologist, he points out that uh, the city of Jericho, er, Israel Fekelstein, he points yeah. out that the city of Jericho was... Uh, long gone before the yeah. Canaanites were t- taken over or whatever happened with mm-hmm. the uh, the story of Joshua, whatever mm-hmm. that is. He said it was long gone before that. But at the time that right. Joshua really was a real thing. Like, if that really was a story, that there really was Israelites going into Canaan, There is no Jericho by then. That city was gone, buried already. Mm-hmm. So they did the archaeology for that. That's, that's proven. Um, so it's like, the whole thing doesn't really line up. I mean, you got you got the Canaan, you got um, the the Exodus happening during a time when Egypt owned Canaan as a province. So Egypt's mm. Egypt's borders goes all the way to like Assyria, basically. And it's like, are they really? Is this is this Exodus just an allegory of Canaan getting independence from Egypt? You have to wonder these things. You know, this is what I said. This is my own. Mm-hmm. Well, my own personal thoughts on some of the stories in the Old Testament.
1: Yeah, yeah. You might enjoy uh, my uh, book, Holy Fable, uh, The Bible Undistorted by Faith. And the first the first volume is all about the Old Testament, and I go into a bunch of these stories and theories about them. Yeah. Yeah, so well, I everybody... get going. I got some yeah, work yeah, yeah. to do before Superman and Lois comes on. Yeah, I was just gonna say, where can, go find,
0: where can everybody go and find your work? Is it's in the description, and, and anything else you want to let everybody know, or is that it?
1: Uh, well, you could go to uh, Amazon, and uh, they have uh, all of my books that are in print, and uh, look up Robert M. Price and the. Most of them will be mine. Uh, I have a bunch on the Bible and religion, uh, about 30 or so probably. And then I also am a fiction writer and editor in uh, horror and fantasy uh, realms. So uh, the ones about H.P. Lovecraft and stuff like that are are mine. But uh, I noticed there are books about South Africa by A. Robert M. Price, that's not me and somebody writes about guns and armaments uh, and <laughs> and that's not me so in case what are the odds, you know, what are the odds uh, right
0: <laughs> all right well this has been great i'm gonna hit the outro and uh that is it
1: terrific that loads of fun as always you have just attained true gnosis ah, the demiurge has no power over you
0: mm. Jeez.